This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello! And I am in love with my new convertible pants. Oh, good. I'm glad you said convertible pants. All right. What do you love about them? This is the most comfortable pair of pants I've owned for a long time. All right. And I'm not sure if it's just because Columbia, the company that makes them, they are not paying for the podcast, by the way. But anyway, I'm not sure if it's because they have some kind of new material that I'm not used to. Or if I have just been wearing park ranger pants for so long that it's kind of like, you know, I've stopped hitting myself with a hammer and it just feels so good that okay. I stopped. But okay. I am in love with this new pair. Of, it's it's the Cascade style. For those who don't know, why don't you explain what convertible pants are? They're adventure pants. Okay. <laughs> convertible pants are, um, they're usually made of some kind of moisture wicking, quick dry material. And there is a zipper at thigh level. So you can go from <laughs> having pants to, oh, hey, look at that, shorts. And they may not be the most attractive pants out there, but when you travel a lot, they are the most practical pants. And I don't think they look that bad. I know I, I got into an argument with a colleague once because she was talking about how awful they are because they're not cut to be shorts. They're cut to be pants. Right. But I just feel like I don't look good in any shorts anyway, so... Well, they're not for fashion. I mean, they're... Yeah. They're designed for if you're outdoors, you can adjust your They are fantastic level for exposure. field work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, sometimes you're starting the morning and it's like 39 degrees right. and then by the end of the day, it's 89-90 degrees and it's like I need to get rid of these legs. Let's just whip them off right now. How many times have I said that to myself? Or, you know, you might have gotten a little damp and they dry quickly. You can sure. wash them easily in your hotel room. They will dry overnight even. Yeah. So, but convertible pants have come a long way. Right. When I started with the park service, uh, I was super excited because you have your basic park ranger uniform and you get an allowance to order that. You can you can order these and just use them. And it's totally okay to use them outside of the park service as long mm -hmm. as you're not wearing anything that has the arrowhead on it. Sure. So like, one of the first things I ordered was park service convertible pants. That is hands down the worst pair oh, of no. convertible pants that I own. They're, they're not moisture wicking, they're moisture locking in. Oh, and the worst part is, is they they, route, they they bunch together at the ankles, like there's a little Alaska out there. Oh. You remember how that was like a thing in the late 80s? Yes, I do remember. <laughs> and I'm sure it was probably like, oh, this is probably some kind of tick deterrent. Sure. But it's just, it's the worst material. It's cut for some kind of... The person who made these pants didn't know what sex they were. <laughs> not that sex isn't... Well, sex is important in, in the sense of... Right. Your bodies are shaped differently. Right. It's just the most un... It's, it's government wear. It's not... It's, it's awful government yeah. wear. As a matter of fact, I, I was in Texas last year, and I was birding, and I saw a complete stranger walk by a very young woman. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, you're a park ranger. I recognize those convertible pants. Those are like the worst convert... You should buy... And I know convertible pants are expensive. Right. But you have to spend a lot of your allowance to get the government convertible pants, and they're really not worth yeah. it. I can neither confirm nor deny... That I found a company, Columbia, that uh, for a while made convertible pants that were very similar to the official Ranger Green that sure. were a far better material. I may or may not have used those when I had need of using <laughs> convertible <laughs> pants in park service work. Because sure. A, they were comfortable. The material worked better. I didn't look weird in them like I do in the Ranger Green. Right. Anyway. Columbia right now makes my... I've had a lot of different convertible pants, but... These new Cascade And how long would you ordered? say a pair of these convertible pants last you? Oh, all my convertible pants last years. Okay. Um, and I pretty much save them for field work. These pants are different. They are just so comfortable I had to wear them today. Okay. I just, yeah. I can't get over how comfortable these are. I bought them specifically for my trip to Honduras because I needed another pair because right. my other pair was starting to fall apart. Okay. I would say I usually get three to five years use out of convertible that's pants. That's not bad. And that's, that's, I wear them a lot for mm. field work. And how often do you convert them in the field? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is it something that you do all the time, or is it mean? I mean, or are they just comfortable enough to? Wear? When I was doing my Texas bird surveys, I mean, I converted them a lot. I mean, it was just a given at about eleven a.m. off they would go. Yeah. And actually, in in Panama, I was the or not Panama, Honduras. I just came back from Honduras. I was the only one who converted my convertible pants. Oh, okay. I also had considerably more mosquito bites, but <laughs> yeah. but I just don't do well in ninety degrees in humid weather. 
and it's like you know once it's in the 80s and humid whoo those those legs gotta go my right. my kneecaps need to breathe <laughs> all right do we have some actual news to talk about you don't want to talk about my trip to honduras we can talk about your trip to honduras you're just gonna gloss over that. I, I dropped. Okay, I, we were talking. We, we spent. We have spent a good five minutes talking about convertible pants. Because I just. I, and then I said, "Do we have actual news to talk about?" And somehow you took this as a slight against your trip to Honduras. I thought we were gonna talk about my trip to Honduras, and then we we're gonna talk. That's about That's actual news. news. If we're done talking about convertible that's pants, that's not news. That's just hey, what's going on in Sharon's life? <sighs> God, but convertible pants. That's news. These are really comfortable convertible pants. I think we've established that. And they fit somebody short. I got the short version. Yeah. They actually fit. I didn't have to get them I in. think we can move on. I love the convertible pants. Great. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I just got back from Honduras. Good. You didn't do your joke. I'm so impressed. Because you don't like it when I do that joke. Can we please just talk about Honduras? <laughs> Honduras was great. <sighs> Okay, is that the entire story? Now I just want to drag right. it out just to get at you. Right. No, um, no, Honduras was fantastic. I saw I saw a lot of our summer breeders down there. Oh, okay. I saw like twelve species of warbler. Like Dave and Susan. Dave and Susan, yeah, Dave and okay. Susan. They were they were down there trying to breed, and I said, "Wait till you get to Minnesota, man." No, mm. um, no, Honduras was amazing. The uh, the landscapes were beautiful. They have a lot of national parkland set aside. Okay. The military guards the parkland, the national parkland. Okay. Why were you in Honduras? I was co-leading a trip. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I took a group of people down to Honduras. We hired some local guides to go show us the birds. If this sounds interesting to you, I'm doing you a similar trip in November. are speaking in less flowery terms about the country of Honduras than you were about your pants. You were waxing rhapsodic about these pants and all the things they do. I went to Honduras. It was really beautiful. They have a lot of, you know, just okay. like that. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me go back. Can we, can we talk a little bit about, like, what happened? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was on birth. Yeah, it's great. You should go there. Yeah. Birds. But these pants, oh my god. Honduras was almost as comfortable as my pants. <laughs> no, Honduras, Honduras was amazing. I have mixed feelings about Honduras. So I do a lot of international travel. And sometimes when I do international travel, if I, especially if I'm a guest of the government, they try really hard to hide the poverty. Sure. This was not that sort of trip. And so the poverty was everywhere. And so... I saw incredible birds down there. I met really fantastic people. I saw landscapes that were unbelievable. And, I mean, you're seeing toucans. You're seeing birds called motmots. You're see- I-, I saw a hummingbird, and its name was like purple-crowned fairy. Okay. Because it's a fucking amazing bird. Sure. But at the same time, when you're driving from site to site, you're passing things like people living in tarp houses. Sure. And so, for me, that was that was the tough part is... Do you think, uh, well, I mean, maybe I'm displaying my own prejudice here. Do you think one feeds into the other, like, because they don't have a lot of development and things like that, that it preserves the wildlife? Uh, well, I think you, you know. could argue that not having a lot of development and having really incredibly poor people, mm-hmm. them seeing national parkland where they're not allowed, to, they're not, you're mm-hmm. not allowed to hunt in Honduras sure. at all. Hunting in the entire country is banned. Wow. They don't even have seasons on animals like we do here wow. in the U.S., so if you have someone who's starving and this person knows that there's, you know, mm-hmm. animals in this parkland, they need to feed their family. It's right. kind of hard to say, don't go in there and get something to put wow. food on the table for your family. I mean, it's astounding that there is parkland set aside and so much parkland. And mm-hmm. some of the parkland is in really remote areas. I was talking to some people who are going up into areas of Pico Benito that literally no human really has been in. Wow. And they're just going to explore to see what it's like. There are no campsites there. They're going in with 60 pounds of gear. They're going on their own. They had to take a helicopter to scope it out to see if they could find a place for a helicopter to land to drop them off. Good heavens. Yeah, I mean, there is that much land there that is not developed. But, I mean, I don't know everything about the politics in Honduras. I know... They're not fantastic. I know, it, and I don't know if you saw this story right before I left. No. I tried to hide this story from you because yeah. I didn't want you to like see it and forget. And I got really mad because somebody posted it onto my Facebook timeline. I was like, "Hey, I hope you're okay." And I was like, "Please don't let Bill see this." But literally right before I left, a woman who's known as uh, an environmental activist and who also fights for indigenous people's rights sure. was murdered. 
She was assassinated. Six people went into her home, broke down the door, and shot her because of her environmental activities of fighting dams and also fighting for the rights of indigenous people to have lands there. Okay. It's assumed that it's some power company maybe that did it. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's... Clearly, there were organizations that had vendettas against her for what she does for the right. environment and for indigenous people. Okay. I don't know enough about it to say who did what, but she was clearly assassinated. I was like, oh, God, I really hope Bill doesn't read that before I go down there. And about the high murder rate in Honduras. Yes, yeah, great. Thanks for hiding that from me. Would you ra- oh, Isn't it better to know it now when I'm back home and safe? Dork. No, but, I mean, the places I was going and the group I was going with, uh-huh. we were safe the whole time. You know, we're going to areas that are known for tourism. We're not going... Sure. We're not just blundering in and into someone's backyard saying, hey, we're here to watch We're here to watch some seed eaters in your backyard yeah. that I've never seen before. You know, I mean, plans were made. You can go down into these areas. There's always risk. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm far, far more likely to die in a plane crash than I am of anything else. <laughs> I do actually think about that every time right. I fly. It's like, they say that, you know, you're safer in a plane than you are in a car because mm-hmm. cars typically crash, but I was like, I travel way more than anyone else. Is it inevitable that I'm just going to die in a plane crash? I feel that's where my downfall is going to be if I die Only on a if trip. you're piloting the plane. Oof. What else do you want to say about Honduras? No, Honduras is amazing. If you're going to go, I cannot recommend the lodge at Pico Benito enough. It is a, it is a beautiful lodge. Uh, they do a lot to work with locals to make sure that they get paid a fair wage. I was talking to James Adams, who's the manager of the hotel, and if you ever stay at Pico Benito and James Adams sits at your table, just put a quarter in him and get him to start talking. He has had a really interesting life as far as like, you know, he and Clay get along because James used to help design weird race cars and things like that. Okay. And, you know, he goes camping. He's really into snakes. I really love James because uh, when we got there and he's talking to the group and we're talking about all the great birds we've seen so far. And he's like, well, if you are interested in other stuff, let me know. Sure. And I said, we're interested in everything. And you can tell this is where the conversation gets dicey. Yeah. Because he's like, because granted some of the things I might be interested in, someone else wouldn't necessarily be interested in. I said, seriously, we're interested in anything that's interesting. Bats, snakes, you got it. He's like, are you really interested in bats? And I was like, yeah, we're all all cool with bats. None of us have a bat phobia because you know there are people out there that do. He's like, well, some of the cabins here have bats roosting in them during the day. And I was like, tell us which ones they are. We want to go look at them. And he's like, tell me what numbers you're in. And I told him the number that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you're loaded with bats. Yeah. So sure enough, after he said that, I went to where my cabin was and like where the peak comes up. Yeah. There's like 30 leaf-nosed bats in there. Is that because it's facing the sun or... Not, rises, well, or... no. I'm just curious about why he knew that that would Well, I mean, he keeps track of everything. Like, he sure. told us where there was a boa that sleeps during the day, and at night it comes down and hangs out at one of the hummingbird feeder to grab the... Because when you're having... Right. So the, the dinner area is open air, uh-huh. and there are all the hummingbirds out there. And while you're having dinner, the leaf knows bats, because they're fruit-eating bats. They come up to the nectar feeders while you're there. So mm-hmm. you're, and, and I mean, at one point the bats like flew in front of our table. Cool. So I mean, if you're cool with wildlife, you're like, hey, this is great, you know. But you know, some people have bat phobias. Yeah. Some people have snake phobias. Sure. They don't want to know which cabin where the boa <laughs> hangs out in the roof and comes out at night to grab yeah. the the fruit bats. Mm. But I was like, yeah, we want to know all of that. Tell us yeah. that. Show us your snakes. But it was just, it was interesting the conversation that he has to kind of. It's kind of like when you go to your doctor and talk about vaccinations. It's like. Let's do give this carefully guard. Do you really want to know what snake is there? Because I'm going to show you. But um, so we stayed at two different places. I'm not going to mention the first place we stayed at. It was a fine place. Okay. It is kind of where you have to stay if you want to try and go for Quetzal. Okay. And I just want to preface this with saying, when you go to Central America, bugs are a fact of life. Okay. You, it's right. And, and some of these lodges you're staying at in open air, you just have to accept moths are going to make it into your room, ants are going to make it into your room, spiders are going to be there. Um, my room at Pico Benito I loved because I had house geckos because I could hear them chirping. And I'm totally okay with house geckos being in my room because they eat bugs. But the first place that we stayed at, this was not this place's fault, but I get into my room and I can see kind of a gap from where the wood is coming down on the ceiling, where the plaster starts. And there's very clearly some kind of insect life in there. And I'm just like, I'm just going to ignore that. They want to go about their business. I'm going to go about my business. I start unpacking, but I'm just periodically looking over there because I can see movement. 
and things start coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, maybe they're just going to be there. And then I look again, and things start coming out with wings. And so essentially what's happening that I realize is happening is these are ants. There's a hatch happening. And if with a hatch, it's kind of like when a bee swarm happens. So all they've been raising queens, and queens are hatching. When queens hatch, they have wings, they go fly off, and they start their own colonies elsewhere. Right. I'm looking around my room, and I'm like, my room is completely screened in to try and keep bugs from the outside from getting in. I'm having right. a hatch. Thousands of ants are going to come out. And not be able to get out. Yeah, and I thought, I can't even leave the door open to let them get out, because that's just going to bring other bugs into the room. Sure. So I try to take a picture, and so I go to the front desk. And let me tell you about Honduras. You can go to some, like, you can go to Panama and not speak Spanish very well, or not speak Spanish at all, and you'll be fine. Everybody mm-hmm. in Panama pretty much speaks English. So I went to the front desk, and in my butchered Spanish, I'm trying to explain, Migas? And, and I took pictures to try and show them. It's like, uh-huh. this is going on in my room. And they're looking at me, yeah, those are ants. That's, that's so great. And, <laughs> and so finally, our local guide walks by, and he hears me. He's like, hey, Sharon, what's going on? What's, what, do you need help? And I, I, I said, I think I have an ant hatch going on in my room. Can, and I showed him the picture, and he's like, oh. And I said, here's the thing. I don't mind bugs in my room. I can deal with that. But am I going to wake up at 2 in the morning with like 5,000 flying ants in my room? Yeah, kind of. And I said, is there anything we can do? Can I switch rooms? No, this place is all full. So he talks to them, and we're getting ready to go to dinner at this point. And I pretty much pick enough in the Spanish that he's saying, you need to go bug bomb the hell out of her room while she's at dinner. So that way she doesn't have that many ants. And uh, so I go back into the room. They've clearly sprayed the hole. Sure. There's like 500 dead and dying ants on the floor. Yeah. And, and so I kind of like, I thought, I'm just going to wear shoes the whole time in this room. And I'm kind of kicking them out. They're all on the floor. I'm just going to go to sleep and not pay attention. I'm not going to pay attention at 2 a.m. when I wake up and feel something crawling on my neck. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to kind of keep going. And uh, the next morning I look out, there's even more dead and dying ants. And I thought, okay, this is normal. They were all dead and dying. They'll sweep it up while I'm out bird watching today. I come back. They very clearly had swept up my room. Mm-hmm. It's just like another 200 ants came uh, out of the hole. To, so so nice. by the time I left that lodge and got to Pico Benito, I was like, Oh, house geckos, please eat every ant you see. <laughs> but it was a beautiful lodge. Otherwise, sure. I had this fantastic view of the mountainside. I could hear tinamous calling. Awesome. But no, Panama. Panama? Why am I saying Panama? I don't know. Because I was in Honduras. Right. Honduras was great. I have some things that I really want to talk about in depth about it. I just need some space from it. Because, and I'll just give you a hint. It's very hard to spend the morning looking at wild parrots doing their thing in the wild and then going to someone's house in the afternoon and seeing that exact same species in a cage. Okay. That was very hard. All right. Anyway. Let's move on. Let's move on to stories. You don't want to hear more about ants? I don't want to hear more about ants. I don't want to hear more about convertible pants. Pants and ants are here. off the table. Here, here, here. Let me... I'm just going to unzip my convertible pants. You right. like that knee that you're yeah. seeing there? You like that? You like that upper unshaved thigh so right there? Let's move on from pants and ants. All news. right. Um, oh, gosh. Did you actually assemble any news for this? I podcast? did. I did. I'm just. I'm trying to keep news to a minimum. Okay. I was trying because you know I was thinking about having segments of like let's general talk, let's have news, mm-hmm. and then someone said I don't like that. I like it as you're trying to figure things out. Right. It's like so maybe instead of you having an idea of whether or not you should have segments, you should talk about that. Uh, what? I, I I was a drunk at birds and beers. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've only been doing this for 206 episodes now. It's time yeah. to sort the format I just out. Wanna, I just want to I, I just want to mix it up. You know, Madonna changes all the time. Prince Ugh. changes all the time. Not we really. should change all the time. Prince just gets crazier. What do you got for me? What's an actual story? The surprising reason why Hollywood gets birds all wrong. This sounds like a clickbait title. It's in the Washington Post. Okay. It is written this by is... It is written by Nicholas Lund who is a.k.a. the birdist on okay. Twitter. So what do you think is the surprising reason why Hollywood gets birds wrong? Uh, they don't give a shit. That was the answer I was going to give. Okay. Uh, they, I don't know. He Well, this article is... A al- surprising reason? I don't know. This article is alleging that the, the reason why is... Uh, 
you're not allowed to use native birds in filming. So if you're filming something oh, and it I needs see. to have a bald eagle and you need the bald eagle to do something specific, mm -hmm. it is illegal to use a bald eagle. Or, okay, let's say great horned owl. You need a right. great horned owl to do something specific. It's in the scene. It's illegal to use a great horned owl. However, it is legal to use the eagle owl. So you're talking about, like, why they don't... Are you talking about bird calls, which is your particular hill to die on, or are you talking about the actual animal themselves? So that was, I thought this article was going to focus on the bird calls, but okay. the article focuses well, on... Well, no, that's not surprising at all. So so what you're talking about here is the reason why, you, when you see, like, the, that friggin' movie you talked about, the Caracara, where that was like the predator I would like thing. to point out the friggin' movie I talk about is a friggin' movie you introduced me to Caracara. I've never seen the Caracara. <gasps> you saw this before I did. I've oh, wait, no, Amber was the one who told me about Caracara. Yeah, Cara. yeah. but we but, watched like, it. The reason you cannot film in America, you cannot film a native species. You cannot use it for profit. Yes. So there, are whole, there are a whole set of rules, let's say. So the reason why you see somebody, like if you see a an ancient knight who has a falcon and they shot it in America, you're not going to see an American bird in there. No, no. That's they why I like in commercials. A non-native species, which is not protected by federal yeah, law. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but the article does get, apparently at the very end, the article does say, you know, as far as like the misuse of bird calls, that's just laziness. But Oh, okay. That's not interesting at all. Yeah, no, guess what? It's the law. Well, I mean, Harry Potter, I mean, we talk about like they have much looser rules, which is why Harry Potter can have a snowy owl. And they use the snowy owl in the... But here's the thing. The snowy owl is not just in North America. The snowy yeah. owl is on several continents. So you could have a snowy owl taken from Europe and use that. That would be okay. Sure. But you don't really have bald eagles. Well, but at the same time, like uh, in Royal Tenenbaums, they used native falcons. No, they didn't. Oh, they didn't? No. Oh, okay. That's like, is that a laner or a saker falcon in that? Okay. No, those. that's not a peregrine in that. Uh, okay. Well, good to know. And then, if you don't know the story with Royal Tannenbaums... I do, but please tell it to our okay, listeners. Okay, so, so Jonathan Wood, who, if you've ever gone to the Rio Grande Valley Bird Festival, mm -hmm. or if you have gone to the Cape May Bird Festival, uh, you have seen his birds there. His birds, he takes very good care of his birds. His birds are all in perfect feather conditions. He, he excels at training his birds to do flight stuff, so... But he was the bird handler for Royal Tannenbaums. And there's like a whole thing in there where um, it's Richie, right? Richie and his yeah. bird Mordecai. Yeah. He lets Mordecai go at some point in the movie, mm -hmm. which is something falconers do. Yeah. Because if you train the bird properly, it can hunt and live on its own. Yeah. That is, it is totally cool to do that. You may not feed them three sardines before you do that. But right. anyway, it is a thing that you can do. And then there's a whole thing where the bird comes back at the end of the movie. And it looks different. It looks different. It's lighter. And they incorporate that into the script. They had to, because one of the things when you train birds to fly, falconer birds, mm -hmm. sometimes they don't come back. Right. And that's just part of the gamble with falconry. So that's what happened while they were filming one of the scenes, was the bird disappeared. Somebody found the bird, and Jonathan usually has telemetry on the birds who mm -hmm. can track it down. The person that had the bird said, oh, hey, wait, you're using this for a movie shoot? This is a movie bird? You're going to have to pay me some money to get this bird back. See, that sounds like you would get in trouble with the federal government. Well, I mean, first of all, it's blackmail. It is blackmail. But, I mean, by the time that you deal with the police sure. to deal with the blackmailer, right. you're on a movie shoot and you have limited yeah, okay. time. Yeah, that's so, I mean, there was that issue and, and, and the whole thing of, I'm not going to negotiate with a terrorist here. So, there was that issue. That's not terrorism, but continue. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just stealing a line from yeah. My boss says that about me frequently when I'm trying to sure. negotiate with him. <laughs> I said that today, actually. Anyway, um... So they have a movie schedule to adhere to and right. a limited budget. So Jonathan says, I've got the same species. It just looks a little different. We'll make it work. We'll just fit mm -hmm. it in the script. So that's that's how that happens. I would so, imagine the bird in a makeup chair where they're like coloring it in with like a Sharpie to make it I'm really sad that I can't. I'm pretty sure it's a sacred. I can't. I'm really sad I can't anyway. remember which species it is. Because I met one of the birds in the movie. I met the darker bird, not the lighter bird. <laughs> was he a real asshole? Steve's fine. He yeah. was here at the Rio Grande Valley Festival. He was he was he was civil. I've heard these movie stars are just you know. <laughs> Speaking of movie stars, Eric Brunke, uh, <laughs> the star of Transformers Four. No, Eric. 
I would love it if Eric Brunke was a Star Trek. <laughs> anyway, Eric Brunke is, he's becoming, I feel like he is becoming a birding celebrity now sure. because people know him. I mean, he's called the Brunke. He's mm-hmm. a guide now for Victor Emmanuel. He got his start in Minnesota. A lot of us in Minnesota just, he's like our little brother who's like grown up in the birding world. And we're just like, we're just so proud of Eric. Anyway, uh, he's a naturalist at Quinta Mazatlan. And so he, he posts his naturalist adventures out there. Okay. And he had a picture today of himself with Sandy Camito who was played by Owen Wilson in mm-hmm. the uh, Big Gear movie. Yep. Does not look a damn thing like Owen Wilson. Sure. I mean, Greg Miller, Greg, granted Greg Miller of Big Gear fame does not quite look like Jack Black, but you can understand the casting of Jack Black sure. when you meet Greg Miller, both personality-wise and yeah. and just looks-wise. Sandy Comito, you're just like, yeah, no. No, you don't. No, there's no, nothing. No, no. Anyway. Okay. Uh, how did we, we how did we end up on Royal You were going with someone. We were talking about like. Oh, bird and accuracy. Can accuracy. That's not interesting. Okay, that's, you know, mildly an, an interesting story, but I don't think that that's something that comes up at all is that they're using an inaccurate bird. Like a up, picture, but like the sound you bring up constantly. It's, it's like, a thing. I mean, I, I mean, some things I can forgive. I can forgive, you know, if you have a period piece set in 1880s in eastern North America and there's a house finch in the background, okay, I can forgive that. Right. But, no, like, yesterday everybody was going gaga over this Miss Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children came out. And I don't know anything about this book, but I was watching the trailer because I was like, I like Eva Green, she's hot. And, um... At one point, she turns into a peregrine falcon in the movie. And I'm like, oh. This, and it's like, I'm even kind of thinking about it. It's like, okay, maybe this is kind of like what a peregrine falcon would look like if it was a person. And then she transforms into the falcon. And what call do they play? Uh, red-tailed hawk. Of course. Okay, yeah, okay. And so I love to comment on someone's saying. So I was like, of course she turns into a peregrine falcon that calls like a red-tailed hawk. And they're like, hey, bird lady. This is, this is fantasy, okay? Leave your bird stuff at the door. And I'm like... Number one, I'm no lady. But I'm like, come on. Even if it is fantasy, is it that hard? Peregrines actually sound really cool. It's not, it's not like they sound all sad like bald eagles and they're squeaky and gruntiness. Peregrines, you know, rah, 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 rah. I think it would have been very badass had she turned into a peregrine and just started going. You must admit, though, that the red-tailed hawk has the coolest call of all. Can you imagine if you were both a bird watcher and someone who knew firearms and so, like, every time you hear a gun going off, <laughs> that when you hear a gun, it's like, that that horror, yeah. like, the Sergio Leone, like, the village is screaming across the sky. That's true. You would never be able to see any movie ever. I think I would have a tough time being, a, what is it, a Foley artist if you do the sound stuff yeah. in movies? I think I would have a tough time because someone would be like, we No, you need... would never work. You'd be fired. You well, I mean, work. not even the bird stuff. It's like, we need we need tires squealing you know the sound crazy... in here. And you I'd be the... like, but your car is on gravel. Do you know the other crazy thing about uh, gunfire that people have told me? What? Is most guns don't have a muzzle flash. Like when you see like the blast of fire from the end of the gun. Most guns don't have that. They add. They do something. They either add it post or they do something special to the bullets to add that because everybody thinks that's what guns do. I was going to say, I've fired some guns. I've never seen the flash. Yeah, exactly. I just that's assume just... everything about guns in movies is inaccurate, yeah. much like birds. Sure. I mean, it's like right down to... How many bullets does that gun have? Well, yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't bother you because... That doesn't take you out of the movie the way Bird calls us. I'm not gun chick. Actually, the 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 gun counting thing does sometimes take me out of the movie. Right. That that will take me. I was like, really? How many how many bullets do you have in that? That mm. I feel like we've exceeded your your threshold here. Right. Anyway, another story. So, so you can read all about uh, you can read Nicholas Lund's stuff. He's fun, and you should follow him on the Twitters as the Birdist, the weird vulture thing. Okay, what else we got? We have some. Albatross stories. Albatross. Albatross. Um, so they're trying to reclo- relocate an albatross colony. Okay. And so this is, um, so they're trying to move the colony around so that way if something happens to the current colony, because albatross are really, they, they're, they're site fidelity. So wherever you were raised, that's where you're going to go back mm. and uh, become a new albatross 
much like people on TV series. Yeah. So so they're taking Albatross from one island. Mm-hmm. And they're putting it on another... So they're taking the babies from oh, the adults. Oh, okay. And they're putting them in flower pots. So the babies will be raised in these flower pots on this other island. And then... So that way, when they reach sexual maturity, they will go back to this island this rather than... Is this Anne Geddes doing this? I don't get that. Anne Geddes was the... Oh, the woman that put the babies in flower yeah. pots. Yeah. She's a fantastic photographer. That just was the first thing that popped into my head. So now when the birds go back, are they going to be expecting to find flower pots there? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they'll leave the flower pots there. But... So, did they know how successful... Well, this is the year this that This is the first it, time so, that they're okay. doing it. So, so, why did they have to move the birds? They're... So, it's it's from a population of albatross. Okay. Uh, the Chatham albatross species is considered vulnerable to extinction because if one catastrophic event happens at their nesting island, the species would be severely impacted for a long time, perhaps even wiped out. So, oh. by like starting a colony on another island, there's a backup. Oh. So there's just kind of like thinking of it as like putting them on a hard drive. Yeah. An external drive. I mean, I I appreciate this that, you know, they're trying to preserve a species, but it's also, you know, you, you, and I guess in the sense of scale, there's been so many extinctions because of human development that us trying to, you know, save a species doesn't really have all that much, uh, it's it's one Impact. of those things I have mixed feelings because the picture that goes with it is this sad picture. I'll 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 just move it over here and you can see it when you link to the article. <laughs> that is not a sad photo. That is a hilarious photo. It's a bunch of that baby albatross sitting in hundreds it's... of flower pots surrounded by fake adult that albatross. That is the best Super Mario level I have ever played. <laughs> in my life. That is an amazing photo. But the baby albatross are just sitting. But the other thing is like albatross in general. The fact that albatross exist, albatross are kind of like the David Bowie of birds. Okay. They went through a glam period. And... They do. I mean, they, they, they have this really improbable lifestyle. I don't know <laughs> did, if I need to did meet they start in... a Did they start a stock based on the royalties? From yes, their, yes, know, they okay. did. But no, it's just this whole crazy lifestyle where, like, the adults leave for a few days to go out and try and find them food. And... The babies will just hang out at the nest for a few days, not being fed. But in the meantime, you have all these other albatross that kind of come to the island for the first time to try and figure out how to, like, attract another albatross, and that takes a few years. Mm -hmm. So those albatross kind of hang out, and they'll sit next to a baby, and a baby will just kind of, like, poke them. They're like, oh, I'm just going to poke you back. And then they kind of have bonding experiences with adult albatrosses who aren't mated. Okay. I actually recently found a blog of someone... Oh, like when you go to visit your nieces and nephews. It's like a really awkward family reunion. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like you're babysitting. It's like, hey, kid. I mean... Okay, I'm going to show you this movie that your parents probably don't want you to see. Yeah. Okay. It's called Goatsy. No. <laughs> That's not a movie. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Do you remember that commercial where the woman was taking care of her, like, nieces... And they're like running around playing princess games, and the parents come back, and it's like, no, like she's like, okay, I'm gonna make you dinner now. You know how to cook? And it was really weird because the parents and the kids are all super blonde, and the woman has like really black frizzy hair. It looks nothing like them. I have no idea what you're talking. It's about. It's a commercial for a frozen food thing. It's like this woman knows this woman knows how to make like this simple but delicious frozen food thing. But she's the fun aunt who doesn't know. Her. Of course, the brunette fun aunt yeah. doesn't know how to cook. All she, she looks, knows how to do is she microwave. Looks like she is a completely different ethnicity from her sister and her husband. But uh, sometimes you just want microwavable food. Sometimes, sometimes you just yeah. want popcorn for dinner, and that's okay. Kids, <laughs> if you come home from a hard day's work and all you want is Kids, popcorn. When you get done work at the sheet metal factory, <laughs> And your ship supervisor has been a real dick to you. Sometimes you just want some popcorn. Actually, no. If your supervisor has been a dick to you, that you should deal with. <sighs> but no, sometimes it's okay to just want... And I say this as someone who enjoys cooking and cooks. You absolutely cannot tell that to children. What? It's okay to have popcorn for dinner? You cannot tell that to children. Kids, there's going to come a time in your life where popcorn... No, kids, I'm going to tell you a real story. There's going to be a time in your life when your spouse goes out of town... And you're going to be, you're going to have like two, maybe three days off in a row. And you're going to look at your kitchen and be like, I'm going to reorganize that motherfucker. And maybe even repaint. And I I might even put down, what's that paper that you call it to put down on your shelves? Uh, Contact paper? Contact paper. Yeah. And you're going to download every single audiobook of True Blood. (sighs) 
and you're going to buy some ground beef. And you're going to listen to the entire series of True Blood over that two or three days and reorganize your kitchen and just eat cooked ground beef out of a pan. And if you're vegetarian, maybe you're going to eat cooked Morningstar fake ground beef out of a out of a pan and you're going to feel like a hero. And it's going to be awesome. It's one of the best weekends I ever had. I remember telling a coworker about right. that, I went, I went, and he said, okay. "You're my hero." Let's rank these experiences: uh, eating ground beef out of a pan for the entire weekend, vegetarian or the real thing, all either right. way. So that's one. Don't answer until you've heard all three choices. <laughs> eating ground beef out of a pot with nothing else while listening to the True Blood audiobook. Okay, that's that's one. Two, going to Honduras. Three, wearing convertible pants. Rank those. Okay, number one. Which lodge am I staying at in Honduras? Just the entire experience of being in Honduras. Okay. Which convertible pants am I wearing? This is very telling. Which convertible pants am I wearing? Just answer the question, please. This is really hard. Why can't I combine them? Let's move on. What's our next story? It's it's the eating ground beef out of the pan. Oh, God, Sharon. This is so pathetic. It looks... <laughs> pathetic. There were no ants in the room flying around while I was eating the ground beef. God. So anyway, um, this is this is something they're trying out. Check out the pictures of baby albatross and and, and don't feel bad for the albatross. They're 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 fine. Albatross right. are improbable. <laughs> in other news about albatross. I'm focusing a lot on albatross because I really want to see albatross. Actually, I just want to see Lazan albatross, and I just want to watch them do their mating dance out in the wild. Sure. Because they make this popping sound, and I just and they whack their beaks against each other. So this is going to be a hard link to follow. I'm going to link to the Facebook thing, uh, and I'm trying to link the blog that these people have created is not great, so I can't individually link. But there was a storm that hit the colony of albatross in Hawaii. Okay. And they had 26 mile an hour winds and what ended up happening was it blew the sand around the chicks and it ended up burying a bunch of the chicks and adults. Oh no. But volunteers were on the island. True. And they spent the day digging them out of sand. Oh, good. Great. But it this all goes back to albatross. Or it's just amazing any of them ever survive. Well, this is a perfect segue into our weird birding jobs. Oh, well, you are moving this along. Yeah. Well, all I don't right. have anything to say about that. That's another albatross story. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad those people were there. All right. Okay, okay. Okay, so we're, we're moving out of news. There's going to be yeah. no more news. Okay, so the next Do thing... Do you have another news story? I just thought it was a nice segue. Let's do let's do the birding jobs and we'll circle okay, back. Okay, well, news. okay, uh, if there is news. Okay, so birding jobs. Um, I tried to find an interesting birding job that we could talk about this week. Okay. So I came up with one for uh, sales and support in avian products. Okay. Based out of Caledonia, Michigan. This is a permanent job. Uh, your application to apply is April Fool's Day, April first. <laughs> I think that says it all. But I, I just, I want to talk about this job because you need to read between the lines for this kind of thing. So here's the job description. <laughs> okay. You you describe the job to me and if I, I'll see if I can tell you what, what the job is. Okay. <clears throat> A new avian deterrent has okay. been developed to keep birds from crop fields. Okay. We are in need. Of an energetic sales and support person who understands bird behavior and biology to introduce and promote this product to farmers, initially in the fruit field. Wait, so this is not, they're looking for people to, this is a sales job. This is on the bird jobs list. I I, I just want to talk about this job. I want people to know what they're getting into. Sales are involved. Uh However, supporting the distributors is a large part of the process. Are you ready for this part? You can just wait for this sentence. Motivated, shiny people are preferred. I am not making this up. Shiny people are preferred. Okay. Qualifications. Okay. And I want you to think about this as if you're actually looking for a job, Bill. Okay. Especially if you're in your 20s. Lay it on me. Qualifications. Outgoing. 
right. smart, mm-hmm. customer-centric. Sure. BS in ornithology sales experience, nice, but not required. Oh, wait, is that a separate thing? I don't know what a BS is. Bachelor of Science. Okay, yeah. Bachelor, is, is that saying... I like, didn't know there was an ornithology sales degree that someone could get. You I can get an ornithology. ornithology or a sales degree. It's like BS and ornithology sales. There's is this no some such, new degree? No. There might be. It's been a thing. while since we've been in college. No, that would be bird selling. So here we go. Here's what I think you, that needs ornithology or sales. Here's what you really need to pay attention okay. to. Compensation. Negotiable. With a commission component. Wait, wait, wait. What? 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 This is this is just a sandwich shy of a pyramid okay. scheme. Uh, to apply. Oh, I'm not going to go to that part. So essentially, this is someone who has developed a bird deterrent for orchards. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're going to try and sell this to farmers. Your your compensation. This is not a bird science job. This is a job for a salesperson. I'm just looking at this job, and I'm just. No, this thinking, is a sales job. This now, is a sales job. I just love that it's shown up on the board where ornithology and biology things go. See, now when you started with that, that this was a job for someone who's developed a bird deterrent system. I assume that people were going to be dressed as scarecrows running around orchards. Who knows what this is? Who knows it's, what crazy thing? This could be a noise. Yeah, thing. It's, I assume it has to be a noise thing because you can't you know hurt the birds. They're protected by. Uh, Migration treaties. So basically, you're going to be talking to farmers. Right. And you're also going to be talking to farmers who probably will at some point tell you about something illegal they did. Yeah. And you're just going to have to be like, <laughs> I understand why you did that. Let me show you this sure. deterrent that will help you prevent okay, from doing anything illegal ever again. That's, that's a little offbeat for us. That is not a crazy job. It's, but yeah, it's, you know, I can Oh, see come that. on. It's asking for shiny, well, motivated people. First of all. Who the fuck asks for shiny first, people? Well, people who deal in sales. First of Shiny all, people. first of all, this job is actually paying you money. You do not have to come up with two thousand dollars to fly to the location and learn how to fight off bears. To this is a job where you're going to make money. Okay, I hear that, but I mean, at the same time, this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a base pay, but honestly, this is this is commission based. Yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna tell you, if you're a research person and you hate talking to people, this is mm. not the job for you. If you're someone no. who's like. Oh, I don't know necessarily if this product is going to work, but I can totally talk some farmers into this. This is your job. You will make money hand over fist. Right. No, this is like if you want to go into like, well, I mean, the kind of work that you were doing, like survey work where you have to like deal with I did not have to talk farmers into buying a bill of goods for a commission. I got paid a Right, but I mean, like if you were working in like that that sort of area, I can see like the crossover. I can see why they posted this to bird jobs. They probably want someone who has a knowledge of birds, but I I get the sense that the bird knowledge is not as important as the salesman aspect of it. Yeah. Shiny people. I could see you as a 20-year-old applying for this job. I could, but I also see myself as a 20-year-old falling for these vaguely worded ads sure. and then suddenly finding myself in something that is essentially a pyramid scheme for liquid vitamins. There is no, there is no pyramid scheme for for bird avoidance. There is not. We should create it. We would make a lot of money. Right, yeah. That sounds Let's fantastic. make a pyramid scheme where we get, you know, tw- we want shiny ornithologists to come sell our bird-watching equipment. Basically, you just have to think yourself a better birder well, yeah, and okay. then you so, have to get all of your friends to give you $50 each, and you're going to give us 45 Here's of those my point. Dollars. So they're looking for shiny people who scare birds. They get a cowardly lion in there. They've got the whole set. Honestly, if someone, if you read a job description, you need to back asking, up and respect that joke I just made because that was amazing. That job, what? That. <laughs> <laughs> Mansplain that joke to me again. No, let's go back. <laughs> No, tell me that joke. I was no. I'm not going to explain it again. You have to listen to the podcast. All right. Oh God. I I I just want to do a public service announcement. If you're looking at a job, and it's asking for shiny people, run from that job. Don't do that job. You know you're better than that job. Unless you are shiny. I'm just really irritated. What if you have like a real like sweating problem? You are literally just a shiny person. That might be what this company is looking for. I don't know what this company is looking for. This part, I just, I'm, I'm <laughs> judging. I'm putting a lot of judgment on this. I don't know what the name of the company is. Oh crap! I do actually know the name. Anyway, right. I'm just saying, shiny people, don't, don't fall for a job. I, I know when you're 20, you think you're shiny, and you think someone that's asking for something shiny that that's the job you want. Just run. run. All right. Run away. All right. Do we have another? Do we have a? Other job? You know, I think we have other stories, but I feel like this has been going on long enough, and I think, didn't we have, oh, God, oh, my God, I wanted to do reader mail. 
Okay. We have mail. We do. We have. Right. I, I've narrowed it down to two. Okay. Reader mail. It's reader mail to the bird chick. And non birding bill. All right. So, um, remember how we talked about how old Wisdom the Albatross was? Yes. Okay, so some we, guy. Did we get a letter from her? We got a letter from Danny Levy. Okay. And I'm going to like put these pictures up. He took historical photos of Wisdom the Albatross. Okay. With uh, meaning like President Lincoln and he's things in like that. The Wisdom, she's in bed with uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> these are really good Photoshop pictures. <laughs> right. And then there's another one with the fall of the Berlin Wall. They're really good. They're that way is, better than I can that, do with Photoshop. That is a fantastic use of your time. And I told Danny, I was like, these are hilarious. Can I put these online? And he was like, please do. And, you know, I, I'm kind of enjoying this challenge. So if you can think of other photos that, you know, a 62-year-old albatross could be in, if you find the photos, send them to me. I will try and insert wisdom. <laughs> the only photo I could find was of the moon landing. So here's the thing. If you can think of a, a famous historical photo... From the last 62 years, email that photo to Sharon at birdchick.com, and I'm going to send these to Danny. And I want to put wisdom in that shit. I want to see an albatross, I don't know, negotiating with Mussolini. Great. I just think that's hilarious. I mean, it just really puts into perspective what does albatross, because albatross wander. They go all over the place. It could be anywhere. That albatross could have been on the moon. Anyway. You will see these photos with the blog post. Uh, I will put them on the Bird Chick Facebook page. Okay. Um, I think my favorite thing about the Berlin Wall one is it's like in the middle of a display with her mate. So thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Okay, and then the other thing we have opened up the podcast for is that you can ask me a bird question. Sure. So the one that I think I'm most likely to answer is from Jessica Perry. She says she's a young birder. She's under 40, so that's definitely qualifying. That is definitely true. Uh, so she says, I live in Burnsville, Minnesota, near the Minnesota River Valley, and I have had daily sightings of a few common red poles at my feeders. I know they are typically Arctic birds. Are they migrating? I'm surprised to find them this further south. Okay. And is there anything I can do to provide helpful habitat to common red poles? I have no idea. Answer that have question, Have you not seen a common red pole? I, I don't know. I think you have because they've been at Neil's okay. house. Well, even if I have, I have no idea like what their habitat or what their... This okay. is a question for you. This is not a question. All right. So the question... So common red poles. It is a winter finch. If you are in the northern U.S., it is a finch that you might see because it's an eruptive winter species. Uh, you can tell them from your other finches because they're gray and white. They're streaky. And they have like a little red cap on their head. Looks like a beret. Sure. They have black around their beaks. They look like they have a goatee. Alright. You don't usually get one... Do they play the bongos? They might as well. Yeah. You usually don't get one red pole. You usually get, like, hundreds okay. eating all your food. They're an eruptive species, so some years we have hundreds. Some years you may just have a couple. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility to see them in Burnsville, Minnesota. I've seen them even further south. Anyway, it's an eruptive species. You can have black oil sunflower seeds out for them. You can have birch trees out for them. They'll eat birch seeds. Some years you're going to have a bunch. Some years you're not going to have any. All right. Red poles. They're great. You can watch the winter... Exciting story. No, actually, there is a thing called the Winter Finch Forecast put together by Ron Pitaway every fall. You can check the Winter Finch Forecast to see if you're going to get them. And he's usually pretty accurate. He based all of his predictions on winter finches based on what the tree crop situation is in Canada. Okay. That's all I got. Uh, all right. We're going to do suggestions? Yes, let's do suggestions. All right. You're going su- to suggest something birding or non-birding related? Oh, I'm totally going to suggest something birding related. Right. Or, 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 or do you have something birding related? God, no. Okay. You go first. Uh, my thing for a non-birding related uh, thing you should check out is another podcast. It is called Still Buffering. It is uh, Sydney McElroy and her younger sister, Riley Smurl. Sydney is a doctor and her sister is a 15-year-old and they talk about what it's like to be a teenager uh, now and in the 90s and it's just a fascinating discussion about what has changed and what has not hit changed and it's just, it's really, I like it a lot. 
I've been enjoying it. All right. You like that coming of age stuff. Yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating because, I mean, they'll talk about stuff like uh, Sydney will talk about having her friends over and then bringing like a, a binder full of CDs to listen to. And uh, Riley, who is a 15-year-old right now, has is baffled by this idea that you would have to carry your physical music around with you. That's that's a 15-year-old's job. Yeah, is but it's, You're supposed to talk to a 15-year-old, yeah. and they're just like, oh, you do that. Yeah, but it's not a mother-daughter relationship. It's a relationship between sisters. So it's got this lovely uh, rapport there. So I okay. enjoy it. That's Still cool. buffering. All right. Check it out. My recommendation mm-hmm. is Baby Birds. An Artist's Look Into the Nest by Julie Sikafus. I know her. Yeah, we've met her. I, I'm a big fan of Julie Sikafus. She's one of my all-time favorite writers. I'm a big fan of her dog. You're a big fan of her dog, yes. Um, Chip Baker. But no, uh, Julie Julie is who I aspire to be and never will be. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, Julie is everything. She has immense natural history knowledge. Not just mm-hmm. about birds, but about wildlife, about tracking. Sure. She Her brain works in a completely different way than mine. Uh, she's an artist. She's a musician. I pretty much feel like anything Julie Sikafus has an interest in and takes some time in, she is perfection at it. Okay. And I love reading her writing. I love her artwork. And she's had several books, but her most recent one that just came out is Baby Birds, An Artist's Look Into the Nest. It is as if someone has taken Julie Sikafus's personal notes and renderings and put mm-hmm. them in hardcover. So, it, and, and one of the things that Julie does, she's a licensed rehabilitator. So in the summertime, she gets baby birds and that she has to raise on top of raising a family and writing and doing all the other stuff that she does. And she has taken the time to draw these nests and draw these nestlings and keep personal notes about her observation. This book is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's fun to read. It is reading a, a fellow naturalist book. It is a great book for someone who knows quite a bit about birds, someone who has a general interest in birds, someone who has no interest in birds but likes nice art. This is a great Mother's Day okay. gift. I, I just got it. It was like the first book I saw as soon as I came back from Honduras. So get the Baby Birds book. Pretty much get any book by Julie Sikafus, The Bluebird Effect, Letters from mm-hmm. Eden. But her latest book is Baby Birds, and it's a gorgeous book, and I highly recommend it. Okie doke. Uh, if you have a question or a letter for Sharon, you can email her. She is Sharon at birdchick.com. You can talk to her on Twitter, where she is at birdchick. And we will be back soon with more news for you. Take care. Bye.